Hey, welcome. I'm Brother Donnie Spano, and I'm so glad that you are here, that we have this time together. And um, this is, uh, in all intent purposes, to be a youth encouragement time. Uh, the wonderful thing about the scriptures, about the Bible, is that you and I, we can find some good things in a youth encouragement ministry and message when we're in our 80s and even at 100 years old. There were uh, those that have come before us, they started brand new things and started new tasks for God when they were 80 years old. And Abraham, well, he had Isaac. How old was he? He was nearly 100 years old. So uh, the wonderful thing about tonight is that for all of you that are uh, getting this now and all of you that will get it later, that you are uh, able to pick up on some things by the help of the Spirit right here in these times. So uh, if you are uh, joining with us live, I know that we have a, a uh, wonderful group there in Pakistan that we're meeting with live here. It's going now live on, on your page now. Let us know. We, we, we enjoy hearing from you all. We enjoy putting faces with names and seeing who Jesus is connecting with across the globe. So if you are joining in from another locality, let us know where. Go ahead and, and put something in the comment section. Let us see it. And um, we pray for those that are connected with us daily. And we pray in what we know. We pray according to the word. And, and I believe maybe sometime I'll just go through and, and pray that way so you can see how we pray for you. But we also pray in the Spirit more so than that. And the Holy Spirit helps us wonderfully to pray out and believe with you for God's best for your lives. So don't think you're alone. You can track back to this right here and you can know at least you got us. You have uh, my wife Tamara and I pray for you. Our ministry prays for you. And so uh, we're so thankful for these connections. Now there is wonderful word that I believe God has for us. And um, it's going to take faith faith to get it out but faith to receive it and that faith that measure of faith has been given to us it says in Romans 12 it says it has been given to us the measure of faith every one of us when we come to God and we receive him for ourselves he commits to us his faith and so together let's pray let's ask him for his help and the wonderful part of what we have in this new covenant with God is that he's given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the helper he will help us see it right he will speak beyond me in these times and enable us all to see in greater degree what God's will and way is for us so let's go together to him and ask for his help father we come to you now and we ask you for your anointing for your spirit to help us and give us supply for this message here in this time and father thank you we're asking together that you would help order it for each and every individual speak out beyond father uh, and bring clear revelation give images and illustrations to each and every one of us that enables us to see it and know it clearly. And Father, you have made it very clear through uh, James, Father, 
that we are only blessed when we not only hear the word, but do it. And so we thank you that in these times, you're showing us how to do your word, how to put it into practice and exercise the life that you have called us to lead. And Father, we know we're not alone in this. If you've called us to do it, you're also giving us your power, your grace, your ability to do it, to be doers of your word, to be blessed in what we do. We thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful helping. And we receive it now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, the title of our message today, we're looking at visionaries. Visionary. What's a visionary? A visionary is someone that is carrying forth a vision. And this is something that God is always endeavoring to do. Those that live and walk by faith, He's going to show us some things. Jesus said it this way. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. When you and I are in fellowship with God, there ought to be some things we're seeing. And if there, are, if there aren't, then we need to check up on it. Why not? Why aren't we seeing? It's very interesting that you'll see and I'll see in the scriptures, it talks very clearly between seeing and hearing. Jesus would always preach, you know, it's very interesting. I was, I was fellowshipping with the Lord, and I won't tell you all the details, but he, um, Jesus ministered in such a way, he was not concerned if people refused to hear the word. He, in fact, one of the main parables that was ministered, he was telling the people there that only one out of four of every people, every person that was there, would actually take and be fruitful in what God's Word was showing them. That means that three out of four, right? I mean, if you look at, at your group right there and you just count down, you go, okay, one, two, three, four. You're going to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, you're getting and you're hearing the good word of God. That's what he was saying. He was saying only one out of each of those four was going to be good soil, was not going to let the cares of the world bother them, was not going to let the enemy come in and steal the word from out of their heart. They were going to keep that word and they were going to be blessed. But there was three other people right there that heard the exact same thing. Well, Jesus ministered knowing that would be the case. And yet he was not curtailing. He was not catering. Please, you got to get this. No, he'd come up and he'd say, if you have ears to hear, hear. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear it now. And that's how it is with us. We have a choice today. Are we going to hear it or not? And it's very interesting the scriptures make this very clear. It says today, it says this in Hebrews, today if you will hear his voice. And then it goes on and says, don't harden. It says harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. And it's telling us that the children of Israel back then, before us, that they hardened their hearts. They provoked God tried to get him to prove himself even though he had already shown his goodness to them. And in so doing, he said they weren't willing and what happened? They did not hear. Your and my willingness, our want to do God's way, or even the want to want to do it God's way, he can work with that. And then guess what? You and I can hear from him and when we hear, we'll see. Because faith comes 
by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. When God sends His Word, we've heard. When we've heard, we see something. It gives vision. So let's go together. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, you'd be blessed. I'd be blessed if we even just got that. That is wonderful. Go with me, if you will, to John 10.10. 10. And I want to, I encourage every single one of you. I sense there's some of you that are still wondering, does God have a good plan for me? And I'm here to tell you he does. I'm here to tell you that God's got some great plans for you. And one of the greatest plans that God has for each and every one of us is that He has given to us what is called the ministry of reconciliation. We don't use that wording very often, but to reconcile, say you and, and a friend of yours were not talking, right? You got into an argument and you hadn't talked in days. And then you had another friend that came in and said, hey, y'all, let's put this, you guys, let's put this to rest. You guys are friends. You don't need to be like this. We can settle this. And you start to talk and you finally get it settled. What happened? You reconciled. And the person that came and helped you do it was the person that had that ministry to reconcile, to bring you back together. This is one of the greatest purposes that you and I have in this life is that we get to bring this world and the people in it to back into this fellowship with God the Father. And it is through the Lord Jesus. We get to bring them back to Jesus. And I encourage you, you may not preach and teach like I'm doing right here, but that's still your ministry. And He's going to do it in some wonderful ways. And you can be a, a driver, a delivery person. You could be a doctor or a lawyer. You could be a teacher. You can be, hallelujah, any part and position. And He'll find a way to get you to do that. And there's nothing greater in this world than when you and I bring people to know Jesus. It does something inside you. It changes you. And you'll find, why does it do that? Because it brings the satisfaction that nothing else can. Let me just look at our time. And um, it brings the satisfaction nothing else can because it's a purpose that no one else can give. It's the purpose of God. And so he has given to us this ministry. And it's very interesting. Paul, in uh, 1 Timothy, he said this. Now, he was writing this to his child, his son, he called him in the faith. Timothy, he came to believe and came to live the life he lived because of Paul's ministry and Paul's life. And um, not necessarily in that order. Uh, Paul's life and ministry caused him to see and live a different way of life. And he ministered to this. He said, God had found him, talking about himself, Paul. He said, he found me faithful, calling me into the ministry. And I'm here to tell you, you listening right now? Are you listening? He has called you faithful. You might think, I haven't done anything yet. I know. He's called you faithful. He's called you into that. He's found you faithful 
and he's called you into this ministry and there's nothing greater in this earth that you and I get to do hallelujah praise God give God some praise for that he finds you faithful praise God we're here in John 10 I'm gonna catch up with you and um, praise God John 10 verse 10 and these are words of Jesus Jesus says the thief comes not is there a thief that is present amongst us yes there is and he does not come but to do what to steal and to kill and to destroy but Jesus made this very clear separation and he said I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly in the Amplified I'm gonna read this to you through that version and it says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows this is God's plan for us that we have life but that we enjoy life if we're not enjoying what we're doing we're not doing it right whether it's in work whether it's school if we're not enjoying some people are already that just made you tilt your head sideways I know but is Jesus right or not he came that we may have and enjoy life have it to the full but that's not enough to him he said, I'm not okay with you just being full, with you just being satisfied. I want you to be full and overflow. This is his plan. And so he knows you're supposed to go to school or you're supposed to go to work. He still, in his will, is the power to enjoy what we do. Hallelujah. And when you enjoy it, you can do it for longer. You can go beyond what other people do. They'll look at you and go, how are you still doing that? You go, I'm having a good time. I like what I do. Hallelujah. Have and enjoy life. Praise God. And this is, uh, we'll find here, let's go together. I wanted you to see that there's a thief and I know that doesn't surprise you because you can look around this world and see the evil in it you know there it's not all good but God only does good so there's got to be another influence in this earth and go with me if you will to 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 praise you Lord hallelujah it's wonderful to know that where two or three are gathered together in his name he is here with us. You can sense His presence right now, can't you? Hallelujah. He is wonderful. So 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at verse number 3. And Paul said this by the Spirit of God. He said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So he's saying we do war. We have a fight. In other scriptures it says we're to fight the good fight of faith. 
So we have a faith fight. A lot of people think we're fighting a pandemic. They think we're fighting a virus. We're fighting the same fight we've been fighting for ages. And it is the good faith fight. But yet many people are trying to fight in some other ways and they're wondering, why am I not successful? It just seems like I'm tired, worn out, and nothing's getting done. Because we're not graced and empowered by God to fight that way. But we are empowered by God to fight the good fight of faith. And so we don't war in the flesh. What does the fourth verse say? It says, for the weapons of our warfare. So we have some weapons. They're not carnal. They're not of this earth. They're not pistol and rod. They're better than that. They go beyond that. Goes on and says, uh, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is why it's so important to keep in close fellowship with God. The only way we can be successful in the fight is through God to pull down these strongholds. What strongholds is the scriptures talking about? It tells us in the fifth verse, casting down imaginations. What's an imagination? The root word in imagination is image, right? You can go on Google and you can type something in. Say you typed in the word dog, right? And you can click on the images tab and you'll get picture after picture after picture of dog. And depending on what image you're looking at can differ in what your image is, what is in the forefront of your mind. And thank you, Father. This is what Satan, the enemy, the thief is constantly doing. He's constantly coming to bring an image. What kind of image? An image that's going to steal, kill, and destroy. An image of us failing. An image of us dying, dying young, dying wrong. For many of us, he's already lost the biggest battle. You want to know what that is? You and I came to Jesus and we made Jesus Lord of our life. He does not like this at all, at all. And so if he can't win that battle, he goes to the next. You want to know what that is? Get these Christians off of this earth right now. Anyway, anyhow, get them out of here. And I got some good news for you. He can't just do that. He's trying. Oh, he's trying big time. But it's not in his power to just do whatever he wants to do if he's not given any place, he can't touch us. He has no place in what pertains or what's connected to us. And, and don't just take my word for it. Stick with me because I'm going to take you to the scriptures. You and I will come and go, but these scriptures will be here forever. They're eternal. They will be forever. So... It says that he, we're to cast down imaginations, these images, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And, now this is going to bring some light to this, and bringing into captivity. 
Now, captivity is like a jail cell. It's like imprisoning this thing. It's like, nope, I got to take that image. I got to lock that image away. That's a steal, kill, and destroy image. I got to put that thing away. Locking it up, right? Into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. The imaginations are contained in the thoughts. But you and I cannot control every thought that comes to us. I know a, a dear elder of mine, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen. He was known to say this. He said, you and I can't stop the birds from flying over our head. But we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. And I tell you, I prove that. Tomorrow and I, when we, we moved back to our home state of Florida, and we were uh, when we first got into this house that the Lord provided for us, oh, my God, He is good. If you want to know the goodness of God, keep following. You will see it. You will see it. Don't give up. And so we're in this house, and it needed some yard work. You know, it had to go get some trees trimmed and that. And so I decided I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to do that. And we're trimming, and I'm going at it. And I notice a bird flying over my head. And I got these trimmers in my hand, and it started swooping a little bit. And I made it very clear, hey, I got something I can get you with. And although I couldn't prevent this bird from being right over top of me, I could definitely keep him at bay. And he could not come and touch me. And this is how it is with thoughts. You and I, in fact, go with me briefly. Should we do that, Lord? Okay. Go with me to Matthew 6. Hallelujah. Matthew 6. What you and I think on is what you and I see. What you and I see will become our reality. I'm going to say that again because I, I don't know if everybody got that. What you and I think on is what we will see. We're casting down the imaginations. We're bringing into captivity every thought, right? The image and the thought are divinely, uh, I shouldn't say divinely, they are spiritually connected. Spirits can be right or wrong. God is spirit and there are evil spirits. So they are spiritually connected. And what you and I think on will see what you and I see, what you and I look at continuously. It will become our reality. What is before us every day. Now here in Matthew 6, and I'll tell you what verse, I believe we're going to go to verse number... <laughs> Thank you. Go to verse number 31. Now Jesus had just got done telling them, teaching, that um, this world is having these thoughts and they're saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? And he said, don't be like the world. You know, your father already knows you have need of these things. No. He takes good care of the birds. He takes good care of the flowers that are on the grass. He said he'll take much better care of you, right? And he makes this principle, if you and I seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to us. We don't have to seek to provide them for us. 
He is our provider. He'll make sure we have it. Now, he says this in the 31st verse. Therefore, take how much thought? No thought. How do you and I take the thought? Saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drink? What, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Haven't been to work in so long. What are we going to do? What's school going to be like next year? What are we going to do? What? Take the thought, he said. Don't take it saying. And this is what's happening. The enemy, the thief, is bringing the thought. And he's bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. Why is he doing it? Because he wants us to open our mouths and say, Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what about? Knowing, and this is what's happening. Believers all over have not gotten this truth that just because a thought comes does not mean it's their thought. Every single Strong believer, great saint, and person of God will have thoughts come to them that are ungodly, unright, and untrue. And we're going to have to be helped by God to put those thoughts in their place and to realize just because that thought's there does not mean it's my thought. In fact, I know of a particular pastor, I believe he was over in, in California, here in the United States, but um, I believe that's where they were at. But my father in the faith was, is connected with them. He said that, uh, that they were telling him that they were looking over this bridge. You know, here we got some big bridges over in the United States. And, and they're there on a bridge. And this, I mean, you got hundreds of feet just looking down. And they're looking out over this bridge, over this open water way. And the, maybe even looking down. And the thought came to them, why don't you just jump? And they took a moment, they said, and they kind of turned around like someone else said it. Like, where did that come from? And they said, no, you jump. Why is that so important? Because this is what's happening. The thought's coming and you got wonderful, precious, precious to Christ, precious to the body of Christ people that are thinking I'm suicidal right now I'm not right in my head I need to get some help because the thought came to me why don't I just jump why don't I just jump and I, and I thought why don't I just jump and they don't realize this is not their thought they have an enemy of their mind an enemy of their soul that is coming to try and steal God's wonderful way from them trying to steal God's word out of their heart on a continuous basis. And we need to be able to look around and go, that's not me. That's someone else. That's the thief talking. That's not my thought. That's another thought. Because my thoughts are God's kind of thoughts. I'm born after Him. And this is, this is key. In fact, I wrote this down. I think I'll tell it to you. And it says this. It's a tool of the enemy to bring images and thoughts that oppose or go against God's good way. If our mind remains unrenewed by the Word of God, we will fail 
by the vision that the enemy brings. You see, the enemy is bringing a vision, and it's in the form of those images and thoughts. And if we don't renew our mind to God's way and to God's vision, if we don't hear from Him through these scriptures, then we're going to fail by the vision the enemy brings. Because He's got a vision for our life. We already read it. His vision is that we be stolen from and we be killed and destroyed as soon as possible. But God's got a greater vision. He's got a vision for you and I to reach this world around about us for Jesus, that people all around about us be healed, be delivered, be set free, live true life in this earth, and then live with Him forever. Now that's vision. And that vision, oh my, it's meant to drown out every one of those other thoughts. It's meant to drown out the hopeless, shameful nature that the enemy is trying to bring to us. So let's go together to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12. Are you getting anything good out of this? Is this helping you at all? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Romans 12. Again, if you're not enjoying it, we're not doing it right. And here in Romans 12, let's look at verse 1. And it says, I beseech you. Now he was pleading with them. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service he's saying you present yourself now this is actually a remarkable truth because many believers in these days think that God's just going to come in and make himself break through whatever guard we might have up and he's just going to make himself present in our life and it goes against so much of what God has said if you and I don't present ourselves we won't be presented. That's what the scriptures say. He said, you and I present our bodies a living sacrifice. If we don't present it, it won't be presented. And it goes on and says in the second verse, and be not conformed to this world. So again, this is going much like what Jesus said. He said, this world says these kinds of things. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? They were conformed to the world. He said, don't be conformed like that. You seek first the kingdom and all those things will be added to you. Now this is saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How are you and I going to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And it's telling us why. It says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, in years past, I've thought that was, that was just a very elongated way of saying God's good will. But it's not saying that. There is actually an acceptable will of God that you and I can live. There's a good will of God that you and I can live. There's a perfect will of God. His vision, His purpose that you and I can be willing and obey and do that in our lives which means 
He'll allow us to do some things even if it's not His perfect will. He'll allow us to go watch that thing. He'll allow us to go hear that. He'll allow us to rebel and resist. He'll allow us to. We won't be as blessed when we do. It's not His perfect will. He can only bless what He has shown. This is the perfect will. He shows us and we do it. You, you and I don't have to ask Him to bless what He told us to do. The blessing's already on it. And He goes on and says, For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, now that is mankind, that's man, woman, child, the measure of faith. God's faith. He's given it to us, and it's part in connection with the vision, with you and I renewing, excuse me, renewing our minds. And we saw it back in Corinthians that images are connected with the thoughts. When you and I renew our minds to God's will and way and what His scriptures say, we'll see things differently. And as we do, we're walking in faith, living by faith. And then we can fight the good fight of faith. And when those other thoughts come, we can snag that thing, throw it down, put it under our feet, say, nope, that does not pass. That's not allowed here. That's trying to come and steal from me. That's trying to kill my family. That's trying to destroy our minute. Nope, nope, not allowed. I will not fail. I will not. Nope, that's not allowed here. Jesus doesn't allow that. I won't allow that. And you and I, hallelujah, will keep ourselves untouched from the enemy. This is good news. This is good news. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Now, I want you to go with me to John, the 14th chapter. And then we'll go to that. Yep, John 14. Go with me there. There's something very interesting that we're going to see here in these verses. Jesus actually gave us a great picture of the heart. And it's going to answer some questions. John 14, go with me to verse 1. And then um, as you're going there, I'll give you another moment. One of the things that Jesus said before he left the earth, before he laid down his life and was crucified, he said, the prince or the ruler of this world comes and he has no place in me. Jesus walked in perfect fellowship with God the Father. He showed us how we can do it. You and I can live like that on an ongoing basis. And he lived in such a way that, that Satan had no place in him. The vision of God was so strong. He gave so much access to it. He was going to think on God's things, have his mind on heavenly things. And as he did, Satan could not do anything. He tried killing Jesus time and time again. There are times Jesus went and ministered in his own hometown and they tried to push him off the, the brow of the cliff of that town. And he walked right through the midst of that mob, right through the middle of them. Hallelujah. You and I, when we keep in God's ways, are untouchable, unkillable, 
Hallelujah. And we see here in verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now let's look at the 27th verse, John 14, 27. And Jesus says it again. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Now he says this. He says, Let not, or we would say, Don't let your heart be troubled. A lot of people will say, I have no choice. I, it's just too much. I, I'm scared. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. No, he said, don't let our heart be troubled. He knows that we can do this. There's power. When he tells us, do this, there's power to do that very thing. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He continues and says, Thank you, Father. Neither let it be afraid. And this is the thing. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Things are coming at us. Thoughts are coming towards us, to us. Our hearts have the opening portion, whether it's a door or it's a latch, a handle. It's not on the outside. It's on the inside. So when Satan comes with a thought and he comes with something that's trying to steal and kill and destroy, you and I have the choice to keep the door closed. You and I have the choice to go, mm, nope, I'm not letting that in. That's not allowed in here. No. And it's like this. I'm, I'm going to read to you Revelation 3.20. And this is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking. I, I won't knock too loud. Jesus is knocking at the door. If any man hear my voice, he says, and open the door. Notice, this is actually something the Lord spoke, and I'm going to share this. Where is it at, Lord? Yes, sir. Living and walking by faith will always require an obedient response. Living and walking by faith will always require an obedient response. Jesus is knocking at the door when the voice, his voice is heard and they open the door. Notice there's an obedient response that's required. And he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. You could say to them and will sup or you could say dine or eat with them, him. And he with me. So Jesus, he's not going to break the door down. He's not going to break the door of our hearts down and just come rush on in because he knows that we need him. No, he's knocking. Guess who's it's up? Guess who it is up to? Whether he's going to come in or not. It's up to us. It's up to us. Because the way in, the handle or the latch is on the inside it's not where he can grab it and open in it's up to us whether we allow into our heart or our spirit or not so this is whether a wrong spirit is going to have access to us is determined here have we given it a place have we opened to it because according to jesus we don't have to and it can have no place hallelujah go with me 
I'm looking at our time. How much time do we have? <laughs> I see we've been going for about 40 minutes now. I don't want to leave you shortchanged. So you tell me how much time you got. You you in a rush? You got to get going? Because I got, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go any longer than I'm anointed to. But I want to make sure you get what we're supposed to get. Let's go to Joshua 1. Praise you, Father. It's so important, so important that you and I read our Bibles every day, every day. And it's for this very reason. This is how God's going to get his thoughts towards us. This is how we'll renew our mind to his ways. And it's how you and I will become visionaries in our days. Because we first have to get the vision and the vision is going to come by hearing. It's going to come by hearing the Word of God. And we'll see here. Let's start in verse number 7. Let's start in verse 7. And it says here in verse 7, Only be you strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from it. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wheresoever you go. Is it God's plan that you and I prosper? According to this verse, it is. And he continues and says, This book of the law. Now, up until that point in time, they had the Pentateuch. They had the first five books of our scriptures from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And this was what God gave to Moses for his people. Well, now... It's gone beyond that. And we have the book of the prophets and our, our poetry books, our psalms, our, our proverbs. We have our new covenant now and the gospels and the wonderful letters to us, the church, the epistles. The book of the law is our holy Bible. And so when he's saying this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, he's talking about the scriptures. He's talking about the Bible. And so he's saying, this book of the law or the Bible shall not depart, it shall not leave out of your mouth. This is saying it's always on our mouth. It's what, excuse me, it's what we're talking about. And um, it continues and says, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Well, if it's not night, what is it? It's day. If it's not day, what is it? It's night. This isn't all the time. Now, this isn't uh, as traditional, right? This isn't you making, you're, you're, you're wanting fellowship with God. And you have a question about something and you think, well, what's the right thing to do? And you have what you know, and then you have what God knows. And you and I can look in that area and go, okay, well, what does God say about that? How am I supposed to treat my parents? How am I supposed to treat my, my job and my employer? How am I supposed to treat my wife and my, or my husband, right? You know, How are we supposed to treat our spouse? How are we supposed to do that? We can go to the scriptures and then we can talk that. Jesus said we take the thought by saying. It's very interesting. The woman with the issue of blood for 18 plus years, I believe. She had gone to every doctor. She had gone through every thing that they had at the time and yet she still had this issue of blood and when you have an issue in blood you're weak 
you're not getting oxygen through your body like you need to. So for her, just to get up out of bed was, I'm sure, a push, a struggle. But she did it. And she pressed through. Now, when she had an issue of blood like that, for her to go into public was against the law. They could stone her for doing this. So she's risking death. She's risking her life. But it, the scriptures say that she went and she was saying to herself, If I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. This is meditation. She's, the other scriptures would say she was murmuring to herself. She's saying this to herself. If I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. I'll be whole. Well, what happened for her? Oh, my. She touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus turned around and said, Who touched me? Now, he's being pressed upon by everybody in this crowd. And they're bumping him and they're pushing him. And he's just trying to get through to go to Jairus' house and, and be there for his daughter's sake. And he's looking around and saying, Who touched me? And the disciples are asking him, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. Everyone's touching you. He said, no, no. Some people, oh my. In that whole crowd, only one touched. Can you see this? Because she had faith. Vision was working. And she could see it. She knew it, and she was saying it. If I just touch that garment, I'll be made whole. And I don't care how many years have gone on, I will not have to deal with this anymore. And she touched it, and Jesus knew it. He said, virtue has left me. Power of God has gone from me. And she has gotten what she has believed for. And she told him everything right there in that place. You and I can touch Jesus just like that today. And I don't care how many days has gone on, how many years it's been like that. It's forever changed. Hallelujah. But it's finding that promise. And it's holding fast to it. Now we'll see here. So we're going to meditate there in day and night that we may observe. To do according to all that's written. This word observe is from the, the, the word in Hebrew. It's the word shamar. But it means when it says that we're to keep this word, these words. And don't let them depart from out of our mouth. It tells us the reason we're doing this, meditating on it and saying it is that we may observe to do what's written. All that's written. That word observe means to keep. It means to guard. In some ways, to protect. And it actually gives the idea to hedge about. Now, I, I like that hedge because this is actually, and I won't have you go there for time's sake, but I'm going to go there and read this to you briefly. But Job actually, this is found in Job, this word hedge. And Satan uses it. In the ninth verse it says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught, for nothing? Have not you made a hedge about him? Satan knew 
that God made a hedge that surrounded Job. And up until that point in time, no matter what Satan did, he could not touch Job. Because there was this protection. There was this hedge. Well, what is going to make a hedge in our life? What's going to protect the Word of God and make sure that we do it? By you and I meditating in it day and night. By you and I keeping it in our mouth. Putting it to work. Taking God's thoughts instead of the enemy's thoughts. And he continued and said, Have not you made a hedge about him and about his whole house? And about all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. And his substance is increased in the land. You know that's God's plan for you and I? That no matter how much he wants to destroy our studies and destroy our work and destroy our family, he can't. He can't touch us. He wants to make us look bad in front of other people. And as much as he tries, he can't. It won't work. It doesn't go far. And so you and I can keep God's words. We can keep his things working in us. Now, I believe, hallelujah. Go with me to Daniel. Hallelujah. Well, you guys are doing so good. I sense you are getting some good things of God. I sense he's speaking beyond me. As I'm saying these things, I can sense it. He's showing you in the way you see it. In the way that's changing your life. Hallelujah. We're going to go to Daniel, the first chapter. And we're going to look. There's some great characteristics in these verses that are going to help us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Praise you, Lord. Again, what we think on is what we'll see. And what we see, given a, a point in time, it will become our reality. You know, I've had some time flying and um, flying airplanes, flying a small single engine airplane. And uh, in the flying I've done, I have to look where I'm going. And it's very interesting, I, I found over the course of time, if I let my glance get off of what I was looking at, I'll find myself going another way. And if you're in an airplane, you know, in those airplanes, those are very small airplanes, but we'll cruise at about 110 nautical miles an hour. Well, that's about 100 and just about 150, 165 miles per hour. Well, I mean, you know, many of us here in the United States, I mean, we'll cruise on the highway maybe 75. So you're going twice that, at least. Well, if you do that over a long course of time and you just get your glance off a bit, you can miss where God has intended you and I to go. Our vision is imperative to keeping and living a faith life. 
And faith is the only way you and I will please God. People wonder why we talk so much about it. Is there something better? There's nothing else God has said would please Him. Why not talk about faith? Hallelujah. Well, you might have beat me to it. I, I don't know what's up with me right about now, but I have got to go to my... There's a good thing about your Bible. You can go right to the beginning if you can't find your place. And I'm going to find Daniel. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's no shame in asking a question. In fact, you and I will be helped if we go... You and I don't have to know it all to be successful. And that's what we're looking at. You know, when, uh, when we're given those directions to meditate on God's things, to, to keep His words in our mouth, it's, uh, it's saying we don't know much. We really don't. You, for those that think they do, we'll see. You see, pride thinks it knows and it has it all and doesn't need any help. I've been there. How about you? But as you continue, if we continue in pride, we find out very long pride comes before a fall. And then you need some help back up and you realize, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. And it does much better even when we think we know to ask a question and to find out and be certain. And confident here in Daniel we're gonna look at Daniel 1 let's look at verse 3 and the king spake to Ashpenaz the master of his yes sir well for time's sake let me do this let's go to 17 verse 17 of chapter 1 thank you father for your help and it says as for these four children now this was the four that we find in um, Verse 6, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And of course, they became Shadrach, Meshach, um, and Abednego. Now in the 17th verse, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Now this is... They're amongst the best of the young men and women of their day. And yet they're found ten times better because of the Spirit of God upon them. And this is what God endeavors for us. Now let's look here in the third chapter and let's look at verse number three. Praise you, Lord. Verse number 3 in chapter 3, and it says, Then the princes, the governors and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together excuse me, unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then, so he set up what? His image. And he's expecting his image 
right? We're talking about imaginations, those thoughts that are exalting something else other than God's way. And he's setting up this image and he's expecting his image to be worshipped. Sounds like our enemy. And so then a herald, fourth verse, cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and you worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso does not fall down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. They're not playing, are they? And let's look at the 8th verse. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. And of those they're accusing this group of young, young men. In the 12th verse, let's look at this. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image. Now let's, let's be very clear here. They had a choice. They could not serve God the Father and serve these other gods. And the choice is the same with us. We're going to have to make a choice whether we serve this image and we keep our mind on that thought the enemy's thought or whether we get our eyes on this book and whether we allow God's things to get into our life because according to Proverbs 4 if we attend to his words and we keep them before our eyes we don't let them depart from our eyes and we keep them uh, it talks about hearing them it says we'll keep them in the midst of our heart Proverbs 4 you can find it for yourself and it says that very thing, that their life to those that find them. When you and I find those scriptures, for time's sake, I'm not going there. But when you and I find those scriptures, we find what will become life to us. Every one of those promises that God has put in His Word, when we grab a hold of it and we keep it before our eyes and we keep hearing about it, we put it in a position where we can keep it in our heart, where it can work, it can become fruitful, fruitful, and when we keep that vision and we keep that sight, we'll find the day it's readily apparent in our life. Whether it's sickness or disease, whether it's we feel like we're not smart and we're not, you saw right here that God took these young men and made them the brightest. When the, the life of God comes into our life, we can be the quickest, the sharpest, the smartest, right? Who says college is not for you? Who says it's too late? Who says you can't do that job? Because when God tells you to do it, you have more than enough to do it the best way possible. So here we see that they're saying, let me go back to my place here. They brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar, 14th verse, spake and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, music, 
you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? What do they respond with? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, many have read this and thought, if it be so meant, if God deliver us or not. That's not what this is saying. If it be so means if you throw us in or not. If you decide to put us in that burning fiery furnace. What were they saying before that? We don't have to think about this very much. It, we already know what we need to do. Why did they know? Because they saw it. God was able to show them. They were willing to do it God's way. And so we see here. They were not careful. They did not need to think about this because they had already determined we're going to do it God's way. And they said, if you throw us in, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. What are we talking about? They are speaking that thought. They're speaking God's thought. They're meditating on it. They have it before their eyes. They have it in their ears. They are keeping it in their heart. In the midst of what? The thought of them burning alive. The thought of their very flesh burning from off of their bones. The thought of dying excruciating death at a young age. They're just young men. They have their whole life before them. They've trained so hard in school. To get to this place. And for what? All to die in this fiery furnace? That thought is coming from the enemy. But they are supplanting it. They are resisting that thought with the thought of God. No. We know who we serve. Our God is good. He is for us. He is with us. And if you need to throw us in. He will deliver us. Yes. He will. Hallelujah. And so, let's continue. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his vices was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was known to be heated. They're cranking the heat up. <clears throat> and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and they were cast into the mist of the fire excuse me, of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew, it killed those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And you find right here that these mighty men, army men, military men, they couldn't handle the heat and yet these young men are standing unmoved by it, unwavering by it. What faith, what help from God. Let's continue. Therefore, excuse me, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. And he rose up in haste quickly, and he spake and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Yes, true, O king. He answered and said, Lo, or look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. Oh my. Two strong men that just bound them tight and put them in this fire. Don't even get but close to it and they fall down dead. But yet every one of those three. And they're not alone. I want you to see that. I don't care how tough it's been. I don't care what persecution and pressure has been put upon you. You are not alone. And in the midst of the very fiery place that Satan is trying to put us in, there shall be God himself right there in the midst and presence with us. We will never be alone in the fiery place. And here, the form of the fourth. Now notice, this is a king that just completely made publicly known that he does not believe in this God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what is he saying right here? He said, now they have no hurt and the form of the fourth person is like the Son of God. He is being made a believer in the midst of this time. Because there were three young men that were unwavering in what they were determined to do. They had made it very clear. They were going to live God's way. They were going to be visionaries. They were going to see it God's way and do it God's way. And because they would, this king could see God too. Oh my. This changed a whole nation. This is the power of our vision. We are visionaries. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spake and said Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you servants of the most high God come forth come out of there come here then Shadrach Meshach and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire and the princes governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power nor was a hair of their head singed Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. They walked out of that fiery furnace, not even a smell of smoke, nor a single spot of them touched by this fire. That which killed other men could not touch them. It's no different from us. When we keep God's vision, our enemy has no place to touch our lives. And it continued and said, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed 
be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, hallelujah, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Hallelujah. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is what you and I can look towards as we continue to resist any image, any thought that the enemy brings. You and I can hold to God's thoughts, and it's not just for us. It will change our people. It will change our nations. It will change. It will go from our nation to others, and it will span across the globe, and it will enable God, who is our Father, to be seen as he desires to be seen and to move as he so wants and to deliver and set free all who will receive him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Go ahead and worship him. Just go ahead and focus your eyes on him. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. There's none like you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We pray this has blessed you. Stay in that spirit of worship. And I encourage you. Every day, get His words before you. Keep them before your eyes. Speak them out loud to yourself. Read aloud. Hear it. Allow those words to get into your heart. That you and I, we can keep them. We can be doers of them. Because then God can have His way and change our nations today. Praise God. We love you. We bless you. And we will see you soon. Thank you, Father.